The reading is from Mark chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. Ah, oh, thank you. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Still our hearts, fill our minds. Help us to let go of the pressures uh, and the fears of the day. And Lord, may we have a holy moment with you where we can hear your word and head out back into your world to proclaim it, to live it, and to speak it out wherever you send us. Amen. Today, I want to highlight the example of Jesus. And if you're tired, worn out, up against it, then this passage, Mark 1, has something to say to you today. If you were ever to write a gospel, how would you start? Where would you start? Would you start with your parents, your childhood, your education, your social background, perhaps your class? Where would you start? Mark opens his gospel with the words in the beginning of the gospel about Jesus the Messiah. You see, for Mark, the gospel is the good news because the people are no longer in exile, 
because God has sent Jesus to rescue his people and all those in Israel. He's not only gone to rescue Israel, but it will be true for the whole of all creation and all nations too. Mark, I'm sure most of you agree with me, gets straight on with the mission and the ministry of Jesus, doesn't he? If you've got a new Christian to faith or you're walking with somebody who has come to faith, Mark tends to be the gospel that we go for because it's the one that jumps in straight away. Mark then offers us a short account of John the the Baptist's ministry and he notes that John is in a place of wilderness. He's not in the city, but he's in the Judean desert. And he's there, and the masses are coming. The Jews and the Israelites, they are heading out. They come because he has a message to preach, does he not? And it's a prophetic message too. And they come to receive his baptism. And they come to receive uh, repentance. John is in the wilderness because it's the place where, the, where many Jews expected the final deliverer to appear. And he's wearing those pretty wacky cloven uh, things, isn't he? I don't know about you, but when I hear that, you think, camel hair? That, I'm not sure I'd walk around Winchester like that. But John's doing it because he's fulfilling the prophecy of Elijah and people. He's given tools to people to make them to listen, to say he is something that they need to listen to. Elijah was expected to come back before the final day of the Lord. So John's ministry is thriving, but he himself knows that he is only the support act to the main event, the death resurrection and ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. John's message remains clear. After me, a more powerful one will come and he will put the Spirit of God within his people. Jesus comes from Nazareth to join John at the Jordan in the Judea desert to be baptised Now, Jesus was sinless, was he not? So why did he go? If he wasn't sinless, surely his atonement for our sins would be meaningless because he would just be like us, you and me, full of muck, stuff that gets in the way when we try and do business with God. So why the baptism? I think that it is the act of baptism that we see that Jesus stands in solidarity with you and me. Yes, friends, the creator of the universe is identifying with you and me. Jesus knows what our humanity is about, what it means to be human, and he knows the weight of sin and muck that gets in the way for us. Put simply, I think Jesus was baptized by John because he agreed with John's message. Repent. In Matthew's account of the same event, John is shocked that Jesus wants to receive John's baptism. Jesus, sorry. John is shocked that Jesus wants to receive his baptism. And John protests and he says, I need to be baptized by you. Yes, Jesus, yet Jesus, sorry, insists 
because he knew that God's people needed a transformative ritual to start to undo our brokenness so that we could start to stand in righteousness with God and be in his presence each and every day. That's what baptism does. That's why, as a church, we love to baptize. That's why we have baptism pools in all our churches, because it changes us. It changes our very core. And that's why I think Church Jesus endorsed it. It tells the world, does it not, a better story, that we are not our own, but we belong to God. Now, as Jesus comes up from the River Jordan, the Spirit descends on him and a voice from the heavens says, you are my son. Jesus is now the one who was called out for a specific task and he is empowered with the Holy Spirit. Mark's introduction to his gospel has no birth story of Jesus or information about his family because Mark doesn't want that, that detail to get in the way of the real story the story of how Jesus has achieved for you and me, our children, our loved ones, their salvation. There was speculation around the birth of, Jesus's, uh, of the birth of Jesus, and many pseudo-gospels appeared and started filling in information. But they all ultimately failed to offer anything meaningful about Jesus' true identity. This is why in Mark 1, Mark starts go straight to the story and the truth of who the Messiah is. He's the Son of God. He was reaffirmed by God, by God speaking over him, this is my Son. And he was reaffirmed by those who got to hang out with King Jesus and saw him as the beloved son. And even, even the demons, didn't they? They also shouted out the truth of Jesus' true identity. Now, from the Jewish scriptures, Son of God would have been understood as the one who is obedient to God, such as a king. Therefore, for Mark to proclaim Jesus as Jesus as son was also a challenge to the empire and to the Roman emperor. So Jesus' identity is revealed right at the start of our text today. But notice how not everything is revealed in those first few lines. If it were, surely John's gospel would become redundant So Jesus is the Son of God, but the full significance of who he is, what he did, comes later in Mark's Gospel. I think Mark's Gospel is trying to offer his readers a really simple and clear message about the salvation of Jesus and its importance. Because Mark ultimately wants this message to go anywhere and to everyone. After all, what became a local movement became a global one when Jesus rose and commissioned his disciples out. Friends, we come to church to hear the word so that we can share the word in our weeks and in our workplaces. And why do we share the good news? We share it 
because everyone needs to hear it because it's the good news and nothing else compares to it. So what does a gospel mean to you? For Mark, the gospel is a Christian message which is to be preached. It's the public ministry, the death on the cross, the resurrection of Jesus, and the events that show us that humanity and creation is ultimately loved by its creator. What the gospel is not is an objective, historical, and biographical report of Jesus. As much as you and I would love it, it's not the literary form found in first century Palestine. For Mark, then, our gospel is the good news which is proclaimed by Jesus and which is about Jesus and which, which, reject, which um, uh, directs us to Jesus. You are my son, God declares over Jesus, and his task is set. But Mark does not tell us straight away. We have to journey with Mark through his gospel. Jesus spent 40 days, didn't he, being tested and prepared for his public ministry. Israel spent 40 years during the Exodus, and not everyone passed the test. Jesus, though, he did pass the test, and he got straight to work proclaiming the good news. What is the good news for you? What is the good news for our world today? For Mark, in our text, it's repent and believe that Jesus saves. Yes, the Roman Empire may still be occupying the land and the Jews are waiting for that to be dealt with and to be liberated, but Jesus came alongside them and he said, trust in God. He sees you, he knows you, and share the good news. Today, I wonder, church, what is God testing and preparing you for? What are the issues and concerns that God has placed on your heart? And how will you respond in faith to them? Where and what do you need to trust God more in so that you can proclaim the good news in your homes, your places of work, your marriages, your relationships, and your networks? In our text today, I think we are ultimately reminded that in Jesus Christ, there is a new thing that is beginning. This new thing is good. This new thing is trustworthy. This new thing is the source of love because it all starts with Jesus. A few days ago, I had lunch with somebody who had recently become a Christian. And now the hype and the celebration had passed and they asked me, Craig, what do you do next? I've gone in the water, I've come up, I feel different. What do I do next? I thought it was a really good question. And I thought he's asking me, because I'm a vicar, I should have a response to this. <laughs> I pondered, bought myself some time, and I said to him, start each day by letting God begin a new thing in you. Start each day by letting God begin a new thing with you. This week, let's revisit those obstructions and those things that get in the way. We all have them, me included. 
that stop us from sharing the good news that Mark wants us to go and proclaim. Let us rethink how we prepare ourselves for the long road of discipleship. Baptism is day one of an eternity with God. Start each day doing a new thing. There are four Gospels in our uh, text. Someone once said to me, there is a fifth. And I thought, I think my math is okay. I think there's only four. And he said, you are the fifth. And today, church, I want to challenge you to go out from this building this morning seeing yourself as the fifth gospel. What will your gospel legacy be? Where is God sending you to bring the love and light of Christ? It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be world-changing. It may be. Perhaps God is calling you to go and support your food bank. Perhaps you really are. Perhaps God is asking you to be Jesus to the loved one who is dying and who is fading in front of your very eyes. Perhaps Jesus is calling you this week to be a climate pioneer or a teacher who loves their students. Perhaps it's to be a good son or a daughter to a parent who you'd rather not be. Wherever it is, my prayer for us today is that we will keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and whatever we face today, we will go with the strength to journey through it. Amen.